Hello, and welcome to episode 7 of Why. I'm your host, Axel Ryan, and today I have a special guest. He is the head of the Visual and Performing Arts Department, the Director of Music Technology, and an instructor in piano. Please welcome Mr. Wachowski. First off, thank you, Mr. Wachowski, for coming on my show. How are you doing? My pleasure. Well, I'm freezing today. It's a big snowstorm out there, but uh, pleasure to speak with you today, Axel. Yeah, just keeping home to stay warm. Okay, so what do you? What does it mean to be creative? That's a Big question. I mean, we could spend hours here talking about that. But I think if you really try to go to the core essence of that, to me, creativity is the ability to deal with any unusual circumstance, right? It's your uh, ability to deal with, with the unproven, with something that you haven't done before. Uh, so you can be creative, of course, in music, in theater, but you, I think our colleagues in mathematics have to be very creative when they're dealing with a new mathematical problem, or you know, a pilot has to be very creative when dealing with a new weather forecast. Uh, so it's just, you know, the ability to deal with an unusual or unproven situation. Yeah, and with COVID, of course, um, the orchestra curriculum in general, it wasn't really the same. So how exactly have you been able to adjust um, for orchestra, of course, since we have to be six feet apart? It's not the same when you will perform and you have like that other viola player next to you and you'll be able to have someone to reference to. Exactly. Well, I think that really relates to what I just said. I mean, COVID, talking about unusual circumstances or, or or never before seen context right so i, I think uh, covid really pushed us to be creative how can we continue uh, having music uh, classes or orchestra or lessons in as normal fashion as possible so it really pushes the creativity um, you know we always looked at elfer's hall here is the audience, here's the stage. So then it's like, wait a minute, if we flip this, we can keep strings uh, you know, in, in, on stage and in the mezzanine, then we can put wind instruments, which are the greatest risk for air movement you know, in the bottom, which makes sure will make sense with the gravity. So again, this is a perfect example of trying to be creative in, very, in the midst of very unusual circumstances. We literally flipped the orientation of Elfers Hall, um, then we have to work with the guidelines, right? Six feet. Um, how do how do we do that? How do we keep? Uh, what about the remote learners? How do we incorporate them so we have the 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 live stream during the rehearsal? So again, COVID really pushes us. Uh, I mean, and that's a tiny example with our common experience with orchestra, right, Axel? But I mean, it pushed every single teacher, every single student, the entire institution to be very creative in dealing with this very unusual circumstance. Yeah. And I think at some point with the situation of COVID, there's a situation where it's either that you have the bravery to overcome that situation 
or you don't overcome the adversity because of some sort of fear, something blocking you from it. And I think for sure myself, there was some extent where I try to give myself excuses for, oh, I can't practice my viola or I can't perform up to this level because of this circumstance and that circumstance. And just adapting, it helps you gain some skills from it as well, but give it also gives you that confidence and the ability that you can do it. Absolutely. Look, I don't think it's a coincidence, actually, that, you know, in some of the worst moments of humankind, when, when, when society is really struggling, it's not uncommon. That's, that's also some of the most creative moments of humankind, whether it's in the arts or technology, uh, you know. Um, so, yes, we are dealing with this unusual circumstance, but it forces, you know, we, we basically have two daily choices, right? Oh, my God, this sucks. You know, I don't like this. Or like, wait, how can we make the most out of this? And, and the answer to how can we make the most out of this usually has creativity all over the place. Right? How can uh, how can we make this better? How can we we fix this? Uh, you know, and and I think mindful that we all. I, I'm sure if you talk to anyone, if you do 2,897 uh, episodes of your podcast with different people, uh, and you ask like, mm, did you have a bad day during COVID? People are like, yeah. Right. We all have days that are like, you know what, uh, this, uh, I've had this. But, uh, you know, we are able to keep an, a productive average. And I really think our ability to cope with this and to remain productive has creativity completely embedded uh, in this process. Yeah. And um, just continuing off of that, um, based off my research and what I searched before this interview, a lot of and most of the websites said that you started playing the piano um, starting at the age of six. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Good research. Yeah. What else did you find out? <laughs> so um, I guess my question is, since you've been practicing since you were six years old, just like extremely little, not knowing what you wanted to do in the future. Have there been some times where like you were like, man, I just want to switch to a different instrument? Or like, man, I don't know if music is right for me. The, those are excellent questions. Um, yes, I started playing music when I was six. By uh, I started participating in competitions very young. I won my first competition when I was 10. So music was always a very significant part of my life, uh, piano specifically. Um, I did want to play the cello, and my mother just said, shut up, play the piano. So, you know, that... Sometimes, well, okay, I guess I'll play the piano. Uh, but uh, I was very attracted to the cello as well. Never had opportunity to play it. I was, um, I don't know if you know, I'm also, when I was 18, I became a pilot too. I, I have a license to, to fly planes. So I love flying. I was, you know, there was one path. I'm like, whoa, I like this too. Um, I do like technology a lot. I have a master's in, in acoustic engineering as well. Um, so there was another path. And I do love politics. Uh, you know, I love diplomacy. So uh, those were very appealing choices when I was 18. Somehow, by the time I was 18 years old, my greatest accomplishments were already in music. And it was the, the biggest part of, of my life. So I, I almost feel like... I tried to do something else, but it was not possible, you know, I, I, and I, I don't regret a bit. I think um, 
you know, politics. We are, uh, you know, I have this conversation with young students sometimes. They say, oh, I don't like politics. I'm like, well, then you don't understand what politics are. I mean, we are, politics to me is any kind of human interaction. You're doing politics with your siblings, if you have them, with your parents, with your teachers. I mean, politics are human interactions. And I love, you know, studying those interactions. And I do that with music as well. Um, Diplomacy, I think the, you know, the the core of being a diplomat, for example, which is something that was appealing to me, uh, is making this a better world. In a very romantic way, I think when you make music, uh, ultimately, you're trying to bring people together, people from different religions, different times even, right? Uh, Different areas, uh, different races. So I think when you play music in a genuine way, um, you are doing that all the time. Um, I miss flying, but, you know, I do that in my computer simulator. So, you know, life is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, like, you're a teacher at Hotchkiss, and you like to influence a lot of students. How would you say your impact on students have so- sort of helped you in, um, as you became older? That's a great question. Um I think, you know, there are sometimes as a musician, when we have a student who like comes to Hotchkiss and, oh, I want to go to, I want to become a musician. I want to go to, to Juilliard, to the conservatory. Of course, there's a very direct impact with that student, right? We, we literally work on the pieces. We get ready for the auditions for the college process. So there's a very direct link there. In a much broader way, what I really uh, try, uh, what attracts me in being a place like Hotchkiss first Every student is so smart. Every student has such incredible potential. And what I really want, as I said in our, perhaps I think first class in the prep course, I don't want any student, by all means, I don't want the student to like a piece of music because I like it as well. My job is not to, to, to make you like or dislike something. My job is to make you interested about everything. So, uh, as I said before, uh, I've said in, in, in our class, um, there's even music that I don't, it's not necessarily my playlist, I don't listen to all the time, but I understand why it's important. I understand what, what it meant to the development of music. And my hope is that every Hotchkiss student uh, gets that, and it's curious, uh, you know, about these pivotal moments in music, in history, in mathematics, in physics, you know, so that we really seize the opportunity that, you know, it's such a, I wish I went to Hotchkiss for high school. You're a lucky man. You know, there's so much to discover. Literally, what what limits your experience at Hotchkiss is time and you. Yeah, and I think um, so far from my prep year and my experiences at Hotchkiss, um, that um, curiosity has really helped me a lot in just for the learning process in general, because like if it's something as simple to, oh, I want to try this. Let's see how good I could be in this or something interesting. A teacher said in, let's say, your humanities class or philosophy or something like that. You're like, huh, I could relate that to what I'm doing today or what life is like outside of Hotchkiss back at home for me is New York. So to some extent, that creativity turns into action. And I think that's very important to creativity. And like you said, with your experiences being interesting, being interested in flying planes or politics, 
um, would you say, even though your main um, activity and the main, your main job is music, would you feel like um, be, being a person of many talents has helped develop yourself in terms of creativity? Absolutely. I think the more, let me put it this way, the more data entry points, right? So, ooh, I'm, you know, I'm dealing with this, uh, you know, uh, aerodynamic issue with my airplane, but I'm also dealing with this equalization thing in the sound that I'm recording. And I just read a great uh, text from, you know, in the New York Times about current politics. I mean, that's what the humanities program is about, you know, the ability to to connect different points and, and, and learn from each other. It only enriches the experience, right? So I, I, I absolutely, uh, I think, you know, going back to your previous question, I, I think another thing that we try to instill in every Hodgkin student is that appreciation for any kind of interesting or, or excellence, right? When I, when I smell that something is great, it may be biology, which I know nothing about. I'm like, hey, you know, that guy is really good. Maybe I should try to learn something from that person. And that constantly makes us, you know, a, a richer person in, in terms of knowledge. Yeah. And like most things, the world isn't perfect and we're not perfect in general. So in terms of creativity, some people may pick it up early, like for me, just creating my podcast and just going for it, not knowing what's going to happen. But at the same time, there's also some people, and even at Hotchkiss, that it may be a little slow to develop that curiosity. But once they do, it makes a great impact. So what do you think in terms of your experiences teaching or just your life experiences with yourself? What are the factors that may stop somebody from being being creative that may stop um worrying too much you know we need to uh, at our own pace we all have different speeds right we cannot uh, some people and i'm sure you can think you know from your colleagues from family from teachers we all have different personalities we all have different speeds we all react to, to experiences in a different way so we cannot impose a, a template uh, into anyone having said that I think the biggest uh, force working against uh, creativity is the fear of being wrong. The fear of like, oh my God, if I do this and if I try that and people don't like, what are they going to say? Or, oh, I'm going to feel that I failed. Um, that is the biggest uh, force, I think, working against creativity. That, that you know, becomes an impediment. It doesn't let it free, like, when, you know, that great feeling when your brain's going crazy, like, hey, let me try this. Oh, that's a crazy idea. Let me try to connect with that. If we, if we put fear or, like, concern of what people are going to think in the middle of that equation, that kind of, that has the potential to stop everything. Yeah. So do you, in a sense, felt like growing up, you had to follow that um, sort of template um, playing the piano at a young age and be like, oh, I have to play it at th to this textbook and how um, everybody else played it? Or have you sort of learned to put your little flair into the pieces that you do? That's a great question. Um, how can I say that? We cannot, you know, we have to be careful. Being creative or, or, or claiming your own creativity cannot be used in the sense of like, oh, I, I don't like, 
I don't like this method. I don't like this approach in the piano. You know, I have my own creative uh, method. We need to be very careful with that, uh, you know, uh, because there is a proven... Uh, I, I think we cannot really... Uh, swimming against a huge tidal wave is not being creative. It's being silly. You know what I mean? So if there is proven knowledge of hundreds of thousands of people over decades, centuries of knowledge, like, okay, that's how you learn how to play the piano. You need to play, uh, you know, you need to have the scale with, a, you know, and this is the fingering that everyone has been using for years. You know, you need to have that base. That becomes your platform to be creative. Right. If you think in music or or visual arts, uh, and visual arts is even a more graphic example. If you cannot, you know, have the basics of drawing a line, of holding the brush, you know, a basic of of uh, you know color theory, you can be the most creative person in the world. Like I have great images in my head. I love visual arts. Why am I not a painter? Because I don't have the technique. So, you know, in my own brain, internally, I have beautiful images that I like to paint, but I simply do not have the technique, right? So uh, technique, you know, in anything, if you are a fantastic poet, but you simply don't know words, you never read enough to have a big vocabulary, you'll never find that the right words. So Technique is 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 a is an absolute essential uh, supporting pillar for uh, you to be creative. In other words, the better your technique, the crazier you can be, the more creative you can be uh, to, to 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 fulfill your creativity. So, how do you feel like you've done that um, by playing the piano? Practicing a lot, my friend. <laughs> by practicing a lot i mean that's the that's the non-negotiable part you know uh hours on the piano but then it's very cool because you can there's an interesting balance there when you are having that really good practice like okay um you know i don't know junior viola uh technique oh i need to do this etude you know and that's the fingering that's the bowing but then when when you're there and in having a, a good time you're able to also, add your hmm. So, okay, that's the finger. Now, what can I do with it? What what piece can I play? Can I do this faster? Can I do this slower? You know, let me try. So, immediately, the moment that you accomplish a technique, you are able to add more doses of your creativity. And if you think about it, it's a never-ending process. Um, one thing that I like about being a musician. It's never the same. Even when I play a piece that I already, that's where creativity comes again. The same piece that I played since I'm 12 years old, I can play in a concert. When we have concerts again, right? Uh, yes, hopefully. I can, I can have that and I play in a completely new way because, you know, I've changed. My creativity has changed. So those are very interesting aspects about music. Yeah, and just to make like some sort of analogy, like... Painting an, abs- an abstract art, you can't really necessarily say that, oh, that's a portrait. To some extent, when you talk about creativity and having that technique, it's in a sense um, speaking the same language. You have to, in a sense, be at the same level everybody else is at, at the starting point, and then work your way to, oh, what I could do with all the materials I have it's not like you could be 
put in the wild and then choose a stick when everybody starts with rocks. Exactly. Or, you know, you uh, perhaps you have the mathematical uh, talent to have the next breakthrough algorithm that can change the world, right? But if you don't go through the math curriculum and learn the basic equations, you never get there. Yeah, exactly. Because to some extent there, and like you said before, repeating what you just said, you have to have that foundation and that practice. And I think that's really one of the good things about education and just the learning process, because you understand something, you're like, okay, I know I could do this. What exactly can I do from here? And I think, exactly. yeah, that's one of and the most know, satisfying things. Since we, you know, one of the things as, you know, my 21st year at Hotchkiss, one of the greatest um, challenges I see with younger uh, students, you know, younger generation like you, um, we, we have to be careful. We have amazingly intelligent and creative students, but creativity, high creativity sometimes yields also an impatience that can be very dangerous. You know, again, I think using our own viola experience, sometimes playing an instrument, viola, piano, there's an annoying part that you have to work a lot and sometimes it feels like progress is really slow, right? And now we live in such a fast society. You do something, I mean, if a web page takes two seconds to load, it's like, oh my God, this is terrible. It's so slow. We want results immediately immediately and a lot of times some of the think about some of the greatest creative work known to humankind think of the greatest buildings ever built the greatest painters the greatest piece of music movies it takes time it takes time it, you know the commitment is there the intensity the creativity is there but it takes time and sometimes we see uh, i see younger students like oh it takes so much ah it's boring you know i'm impatient you know and giving up before time is due so that's the great another challenge you know you asked me what go what works against creativity one was the, the uh, fear, right, of putting yourself out there, and the other, impatience. Sometimes the the most, the more complex your creative idea is, it probably means the more time it will take to be fully, fully executed. But I see, unfortunately, too many people stopping the process before it's fully realized, and that is quite a pity. Yeah, and just with that impatience and just working with some students, You've had an impact about with a lot of people you work um, with at Hotchkiss. Um, when I was researching and doing my research before the interview, I saw this video. Um, it was a series on making a difference. And I believe you had a conversation with somebody from the class of 19. Can you give us some more of your thought process and how you felt <laughs> through that video? Oh, that, that was a beautiful thing that uh, they did. I mean, just it was a total surprise. So um, that was... A wonderful student, Hannah Liu, she's from Shenzhen, China. Uh, and um, just, uh, I think I really, 
she was a very nice, uh, she has a beautiful voice, a very good singer, but she was very timid in her, uh, she didn't know how good she was. So that those are the nice brass sometimes like, hey, you know, I, I wouldn't say that even I, I pushed her, I, I just invisibly was kind of like there holding her hand as she was singing to, to you know, to give her that extra, like, you are a great singer, go there and do it. And then she did, and then she really enjoyed that. So again, that, I think um, we were together in, in, in that, that element of like, don't be afraid, just go there and do it. And then to see her one time, we did a concert together in Shenzhen where we performed uh, for about 1,800 people, 1,800, and she's saying that. So that was awesome to see, you know, and, and we shared this great uh, performing experiences together. So uh, again, I think um, that was a wonderful series, and you probably saw that many other teachers also had similar uh, experience with the students. And that's, I think, one of the really amazing, one of the reasons I love being at Hotchkiss uh, and, and that hopefully you guys like too. I mean, even with COVID, we're able to foster very special uh, like opportunities with students where we really are able to to help students in a way that many other schools, it's kind of impossible. And, and it's very, very rewarding to see that happening. Yeah, and I think one of the things that stuck out for me while I was watching the video was her story about how one time she was supposed to perform something on some certain day, and then she forgot the piece of music for it, for it and then you allowed her to perform it again on another day. And just that I could resonate with that because it's just with failure and then learning from that experience. Why exactly um, did you allow her to give in a, give her in a sense, a second chance in order to redeem her, herself? Well, you know, that's another great thing with, with music. Um, you know, you, I'm sure you can, and with, you know, all great respect to all other disciplines, right? But you're a smart guy. Uh, let's say you have a big uh, paper for, you know, history tomorrow, and you haven't started yet. Um, you probably can can do it, right? You, you, you can go to bed a little later, and you can still write a fantastic paper, right? Um, if you have a concert tomorrow, and you haven't practiced the piece yet, can you do the same thing? Can you go to the practice room, practice for five hours, and you're going to be ready? Not necessarily. No, probably not. You know, I joke with my students. If you have a big concert today, to, like the, the, tomorrow, and you haven't practiced yet, don't go to the practice room. Go to church and pray a lot. <laughs> That's going to be more helpful because you need a miracle. Um so obviously, after teaching for so many years, um, most, I mean, again, it's great at Hodgkin's, most students, they, when we have a concert, they prepare very well. Sometimes students don't prepare very well. So there are basically two reasons why someone goes to a concert and something bad happens, a mistake happens. That student went there and was very nervous. We always get nervous, right, when we play. Uh, adrenaline's kicking in, so we get a little nervous, and you can that can lead to a mistake. Or a student didn't practice well, not prepared well, you know, and, and then goes and makes a mistake. I, we ha as a teacher, we have to deal with those two students in very different ways. 
right? The students who didn't practice, like, well, what do you expect? You should have practiced more, you know, until you practice well, you, you're not going to be playing. There's no magic. There's no miracle. You have to practice and then you play well. Um, with a student who played well, uh, who practiced well, but had a mistake, you know, then let's do it again. Uh, there's no such a thing as a perfect performance. I have never, ever played a concert, and I don't know how many thousands of concerts I've played, that I can say, wow, that was 100% perfect. Perfection music only exists in the recording because we can record like 200 times and then we go on the computer and we edit everything, then it can be perfect. Live, it doesn't exist. There's no such a thing as a perfect uh, performance. I think that's actually what's interesting, right? So then I think uh, asking that student to, to do it again was part of this learning process of accepting like, okay, we are never perfect when we're on stage, but that doesn't mean that it's bad. Not perfect does not mean bad at all, right? So it was part of that reinforcement of that message, like go there, no big deal, go there and, 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 and do it again. Yeah, and to some extent, giving her that chance and be like, it's okay, we're not perfect, and you you just have to realize that. That, in a sense, gave her the confidence to go at it and do it again. Of course, and, of course. Yeah, and I think um one of the bigger misconceptions about, like, performances in general is just, and is just that you expect yourself to immediately make the whole crowd clapping a standing ovation the first time but that may not always happen and i think yeah, going back yeah, to sorry. what we said that that's you know that um that should not be if if you go on stage with that being your main goal i would say that you're misguided when i every time i step on stage first of all i want to do my very best I want to accomplish my best. I want to honor my hours of practice by, by you know, doing my very best, uh, which means a few wrong notes because we're not perfect, but I want to do my very best. Um, then I want to communicate with sincerity, you know, my genuine idea about the music. Uh, if, you know, there are times, uh, even the whole standing ovation, there are pieces that you are playing that simply, I mean, if you play the big Tchaikovsky concerto, very exciting, very triumphant ending, usually, you know, if you play that well, people cannot resist and, you know, and they will be just, you know, screaming and clapping. But I've had times where I'm playing something very introspective, very reflective, where I'll never forget, I had one concert that I finished playing and there was silence for a good minute or two minutes that to me was the best response i could have asked for because it meant people were still feeling that so uh it's that kind of synchronization between what you're feeling the audience that that uh i i hope for not necessarily the big clap of course that's very nice but but that's not the ultimate goal yeah and of course everybody has a different opinion on different things so how exactly were you able to combat criticism in a sense because like you said at some moments you don't necessarily need a big ovation and you just want that silence to signal that those people listening understand and interpreted the music the way you wanted to but then at the same time 
there may be that person who claps too early during your performance in the middle of a long pause. Look, um, that happens. I, I think, um, yeah, sometimes in the middle of movements, right? Um, I think we ultimately, we need to be nice to people, right? I don't like, I, I think, um, and again, at Hotchkiss, we are a school, right? I'm a strong believer that we, you know, we respect, we must respect where we are. So I think if we are, uh, you know, if we're listening to a pop concert in the gym, I hope we are all having a good time. We are standing up and we are jumping and having fun and screaming along and all that. I hope that's what you're doing and we're having a good time, right? If we're in Elfer's Hall listening to, to the lecture of a Nobel Prize winner or listen to a concert, I hope we have the distinction to act in a very different way, right? Offering the chapel, uh, you know, listen to a prayer service. So I think we need to respect the context of where we are. That's very, very, very important. Having said that, you know, um, I think if someone... Um, is enjoying a full orchestra concert for the first time and, and clapped, you know, incorrect was, wow, that was great, and clapped, and it was like in the middle of the movement. Okay, we gently say, you know, we can like, oh, that's awesome. I, I love that you like, but hey, next time, remember that, you know, try not to do that because it's kind of like a pause between chapters of a book, but we should never, never be rude. It would almost be like, you know, those awful um, movies when someone goes to a big fancy dinner and like they don't know what to do with all the, uh, all the silverware and then people are mean to them and, and humiliate. I mean, that, that would be wrong. So we just, uh, I think um, it goes down to what are the people's intentions. Someone is in a concert and they are being disruptive or disrespectful or, you know, they are um, not, um, they're distracting other people. That's totally not cool. That, could, that, that has to stop. But, you know, if people are enjoying it and there are ways that we can make them uh, just understand what, what should happen in the concert, we do so very gently and very supportive. Yeah, and I think um, just having a supportive community will help that person learn from their mistakes. And, and that's how it makes criticism more constructive than sort of to put someone down. Absolutely. And one cool thing about Hotchkiss, again, in pre-COVID times and in, in post-COVID times, you know, we always, one very neat thing that we have, especially in the music program, um, but also in all um, arts, uh, we we invite we we constantly have some of the best musicians in the world coming uh, play uh, at Hotchkiss work with the students and they always unanimously say like wow Hotchkiss students are so clever they are so respectful they are so sensitive and nothing makes me happier than hearing that so they you, you know when we have concerts and efforts people people get how special how lucky we are to be there uh, you know appreciating music from so many different places from from different times and we do that together um it, it's a very special opportunity and i'm also you know even though we we haven't been able to do that you as a prep, you have not enjoyed a concert in Elfers Hall yet. I know that, if anything, I always try to be optimistic. When we come back from COVID, 
we're going to enjoy this even more because we know how much we missed it. So people are going to be going even crazy. Like, my God, I miss concerts, live concerts so much. So we are in for a great, great, great time when things get back to normal. Yeah. And, and I you'll think, be playing a lot. Oh, I hope I'm ready for that. But yeah, I think one of the greater things of music and hopefully what I... Um, will experience later on during my Hotchkiss experience the impact of those live co concerts. I think we could just interpret this to life and how exactly do we want to be remembered? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, how, I don't understand the question exactly. Um, how exactly would you would like to be remembered? Me? Yes. Uh, how I'd like to be remembered. Oh, uh, are you trying to, are you retiring me already, Axel? Or like, not know, necessarily. That's a great, no, I think, you know, as be curious and do your best. That's what I, I try to push in every one of my students. Be curious, uh, don't, you know, try, uh, don't waste any learning opportunity. And in doing so, do the best that you can. And that's all, you know, when I have every student walk on stage, that's the biggest uh, criteria uh, I'm measuring. Are you, have you been curious? Have you fulfilled all the opportunities to learn about this piece, to, to, to improve yourself? And then are you doing your very best? Those are the two most, you know, basic uh, things that, that, that I, I like feeling from every student that I work with. Yeah. And I think um, as you being a teacher, you could be an inspiration to a, a lot of students. And I would like to kind of flip the script to some extent and see how exactly um, people you were inspired by. So my main question is, if you were to interview somebody who is creative, who would it be and why? Oh, um, uh, dead or alive or, or either way? Um, yeah, any, any circumstance. Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, I, I can't, uh, one of my, my music heroes, of course, is our good friend Ludwig van Beethoven. To me, uh, why? Um, to me, in music, he's perhaps the greatest example between what we're talking about, the knowledge of the technique, uh, how you're supposed to write for every single instrument, for every single instrument together. Uh, and then um, uh, how you add that with his creativity, with his personal struggles. I mean, he went deaf. Can you imagine anything worse for a musician than, you know, going deaf? So we were talking about how struggle is a great driver for creativity. So I think in so many facets, uh, Beethoven, um, I mean, that's my quick answer. I could give you like 20 more names, uh, but he is someone that I, that always works as, as a great uh, reference for me. In a more contemporary, and people will say like, of course, I, I mean, people say that I love uh, Apple products, which I do, uh, but I think Steve Jobs is the more contemporary reference. I mean, to me, uh, someone who uh, didn't necessarily have a 
technical background. He was more of a liberal arts guy, but the way he, he saw computers and saw the potential of that. And, and again, I love this phrase about him. He, he developed um, pieces of equipment that he knew that we needed before we knew that we needed it. Right. I mean, he was that kind of visionary. So he's someone that uh, I mean, in a more contemporary, even though he's that too, um, but that I, I deeply admire as well. Yeah. And I think to answer my own question before last time I answered this question, I said Malcolm X. But I think um, over time, the recent death of Larry King actually has gotten me to become more interested in um try to see how he does his interviews and I was and I really try to learn from his technique and I just go back to CNN I go straight to CNN and then just watch a bunch of his old interviews on Larry King live and I just become really inspired to keep doing my podcast and just find better ways to become a better interviewer and a better listener so I'll definitely say Larry King would be and, my answer. Yeah, Larry King was, I remember I grew up watching Larry King. He was fantastic. Uh, too bad he, he just recently passed away. But uh, I mean, he was, uh, again, the way he was able to extract uh, so many truths, even uh previously non-disclosed statements from his uh, people. Uh, and, and he had that balance, right, of making you feel at ease. And then when people are feeling reactive, he would hit with like that really hard question. I mean, and, and good for you, Axel. I think, uh, again, the more, uh, the, the way to grow your creativity is to, again, never be afraid of it, but keep nurturing it with information. With, with, you know, with technique, with, with studying. And if you think, you know, a lot of times the, the, the most creative people, they have that in common, that, that impatience, not in getting the, the, the result, but that impatience in always getting better in, in studying. So you're in the right track and you, you're putting yourself out there. Keep doing it. And it's been great to be part of it. Thank you so much. So, and I hope you know by senior year, you're going to already, you know, this is going to be famous. Uh, I hope to be invited again, you know, for the lineup. I'll be very honored, uh, you know, after a few years. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I'll definitely plan on having some, I guess you could say, season one guests back good. on the show. Keep so, up the good work. <laughs> yeah. Um, to wrap things up. Um, my closing question that I always do on every last segment is what is a question that you had coming into the interview that was answered or what's a question that you still have after doing the interview? Well, my question is how far is this school prep going to get? And we cannot answer that yet, right? We'll, we'll, we'll table this question four years from now, right? So that's a yeah. good one for us to, to get back in, in four years. <laughs> Yeah, I th I mean, I think my short answer at the moment, I mean, I'm going to have um this is going to be posted after the project is finished, but I'm working on a project currently with the admissions team at Hotchkiss for the um newly accepted students. Great. So, I'm really excited about that and I think it'll give me um a good amount of recognition. So, it'll yeah, be like get my out first there. Yeah, it'll be my Keep first really it. big project. And I'm really excited about that. 
So that would be my and, short And, you know, one final thing. Don't be afraid of asking for help. Wise people really know where to find help. So, you know, ask for help if you need. That's no, uh, you're, you're stronger by asking for help. You're not, you know, weaker. So don't, don't hesitate to do that. Yes, and I think um, of along the road, I'll probably have to find a, some sort of mentor to help me. And I think it will really help me elevate my game in interviewing, et cetera, and stuff like that. Excellent. So, yeah. <laughs> um, thank you for coming on. And um, to the listeners, we'll see you in the outro. It's been a pleasure. There you have it. That concludes part three of this three-part series on creativity. Look out for a surprise episode where I talk to a Hotchkiss alum. Make sure to download this episode and subscribe to the podcast. This is available on all platforms, so share the link with people you know. Until then, stay safe and keep questioning.